The details are somewhat sketchy. As the story goes, a group of extraterrestrials were observing the behavior and habits of earthlings. As part of their assignment, one extraterrestrial filed the following report, and I quote, Why they called it Sunday is anybody's guess. There seemed to be a large numbers of creatures that spent the day worshiping the sun. Some followed the ritual, stripping nearly naked, slathering a potion of some sort over their entire body, laying down. And most of the, them in, in this prone worship were next to either large bodies of water or small ponds, usually in rectangular shape. Others seemed to enjoy more active worship of the sun, splashing and cavorting in and out of the water in some undefinable religious exercise. Some were even riding on colorful boards, either by themselves or being pulled by a machine of some sort. In the afternoons, many Sunday worshipers gathered in large open-air craters and worshipped to the aid of groups of humans in strange priestly garb colliding with each other. One of us observed a tiny brown odd-shaped spherical object bouncing from priest to priest. Others were seen in similar worship in a diamond-shaped crater where priests in, in a different type of vestments carried out indiscernible ceremonies. But one of the strangest observations of all occurred mostly in the early morning hours of this sun day. Beings by the thousands entered large dwellings, disappearing for lengthy periods of time, totally out of sight of the sun. It was assumed that these must be unbelievers since they were hiding from the sun and had such serious and somber looks as they disappeared into these cavernous structures. What went on in these buildings was indeed a mystery. Some entered and exited at precisely one-hour intervals. One could hear rhythmic and melodic noise coming from some, but not others. A few, very few, emerged with a smile on their face as if they knew something no one else knew, and they were not about to tell. Sunday, the Sabbath. That's been adapted from the book Smoke on the Mountain by Joy Davidman, observing Sunday from an outsider's perspective. Sunday. Sunday is a holiday for most of us, but is it a holy day? And were the observations correct that the only ones who actually enjoyed this day were sun worshipers? The unbelievers being punished by having to get dressed up and attend a solemn assembly. Unfortunately, many people historically have interpreted the fourth commandment as thou shalt not enjoy life on Sunday. <laughs> Since the rituals and punishments that take place on Sundays at church are so foreign to most people, boring and irrelevant to others, they, they stay away in droves. Was Sabbath, the Sabbath, originally intended to be boring, lifeless, void of joy or fun? Or was there another reason that God made Sunday? Is it just for extra sleep and brunches and afternoon football games or recreation? Or 
did God have another reason for the Sabbath? This message series is entitled God's Top Ten. It's about relationship. We've looked at at contact, getting ready to meet God. Uh, The misconception that God is this serious, stern father up there that says, find out what they're doing down there for fun and make them stop. God, to some, is like a life preserver thrown to a drowning man. We, We grab onto it and hold onto it while we need it, but when we're okay and safe, we throw it away. We don't need it anymore. And we forget that our contact with God is about relationship, not rules. Relationship, not rules. And we all desperately want to have a positive relationship with God. We looked at God comes first, the relationship with God, the the vertical and relationship with people, horizontal. Looked at American idols, idolatry, the motivation, the substitutes and the warning. Now we get to the fourth commandment, the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day. Now most of you think you're off the hook because you made it to church today. But this is far more than showing up for church. I want to look at three things today. Number one, the basis of the Sabbath. Why? Why the Sabbath and, and what it became. Number two, the command of the Sabbath, where it says, remember it, keep it holy. And three, the results of remembering the Sabbath, which really should come out to enjoy. Enjoy. Exodus 20. Exodus 20. We're going to read it today. Exodus 20, starting with verse 8. It reads... Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor daughter nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the aliens within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it Holy. Made it holy. Let's start by looking at the basis of the Sabbath. This is why. Why? Why the Sabbath? Why did God create the Sabbath? And where did, where did it originate? Well, it says in the 11th verse, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it Holy. The celebration of the Sabbath goes all the way back to creation. In the beginning, whenever that was, okay, God created the heavens and the earth. Then, in a period of six days, he continued his design work. Although it's not the purpose of this message to address the nature of the six-day period of creation. There's no reason it couldn't have been 24-hour periods, literally, since each is said to have a morning and an evening, but we're not going to go there today. (laughs) Over six days, God had created light, oceans, land, vegetation, the sun, the moon, the stars, water creatures, birds, mammals, and humans. And then he got to the seventh day, and it says, on the seventh day, God rested. Now, I don't think God was tired, necessarily, I'm sure it was much more tiring dealing with the creation once it was done than 
doing the creation. The word Sabbath in the Hebrew language is derived from the word to rest or cease from work. We are not to rest on the Sabbath day to follow God's example, but because God took this one day out of seven and set it apart. He made that one day special. He made it special. It says, therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God blessed the Sabbath, made it holy. He set it apart for a unique purpose, unique purpose. Just as God blessed and set apart his entire creation and gave it to mankind to enjoy, so he blessed and set apart the Sabbath one day a week for us to enjoy. So what are we supposed to enjoy about it? Okay, I had to get up early this morning, yeah. What are we supposed to enjoy about it? First of all, it's physical rest or relaxation. Physical rest or relaxation. We're to relax, experience physical rest. In other words, we're not to do our physical work. We are to stop our normal day-to-day work routines and relax physically. We're to rest our bodies. They need it. Okay? Most of us would say, yes, they need it. What if Sunday's not your day off? Okay, that's another thing. Take a different day. I, we'll talk more about that later. But for some people, they have to work Sunday. So Sabbath. It's important that everybody has a designated day that's a Sabbath. So physical rest. The second is spiritual renewal and reflection. The second dimension, reflection and renewal. Our schedules are so full, we rarely take time to stop, think, reflect, or meditate. The Sabbath gives us an entire day for spiritual or soul renewal. Relaxation, reflection, physical rest, spiritual renewal. And it is to be enjoyed. God bless this day. Enjoy. He says enjoy it. That's the why. Now, what's, how about the what? What's the what? Letter B. Let's look at what the Sabbath was like when first instituted by the law. Okay? Let's start with its institution, the very beginning. The actual observance of the Sabbath is not recorded until Exodus chapter 16, just four chapters before the one we looked at. It's instituted for the nation of Israel when they were wandering in the wilderness. God gave them manna to eat. You guys know the story, manna to eat. It was bread from heaven called angel food or the bread of angels. And five days they were supposed to go out and collect the manna. And then on day six, they were supposed to go out and collect enough manna for two days. And because on the seventh day, there was not going to be any manna. They were not to do any work. The Sabbath, they were commanded to rest on the seventh day. It became a holy day to remember the exodus. Israel's miraculous deliverance by God from slavery in Egypt. And they were not to do any work. It was one day, so to speak, that they returned to the Garden of Eden. So they could experience paradise. This is the one day they were commanded to enjoy themselves. (laughs) Enjoy themselves. Now in the early years, Israel celebrated the Sabbath as a feast. Okay, started out as a feast. But this day of gladness and rejoicing soon changed to a day of discipline and gloom. It's crazy. Let's look at it in Jesus' day, okay? However many hundred years later, in Jesus' day. By the time Jesus was born and lived on earth, 
the Sabbath had morphed into such a burden that nobody, it seemed, could enjoy it. How, how can he enjoy the Sabbath? The Jews were not to light a fire, cook dinner, or even use their false teeth. Just to let you know. There were one, put it down, 1,521 things you could not do on the Sabbath. 1,521 things, including rescuing a drowning person. But since swimming and traveling was prohibited, I guess that was a moot point. So much for Sabbath swimming. You just couldn't do Sunday swimming. And of course, Jesus took the legalistic religious people to task, and they became very angry because he was messing with their traditions, their rules, their system. Jesus healed the sick on the Sabbath. That was one of the biggest issues. They said, you can't, any other day, not the Sabbath. But he healed people on the Sabbath. It was strictly forbidden. He and his followers picked some grain, snacking as they walked through the grain field, upsetting the religious leadership because what? It was the Sabbath. In this instance, Jesus said this. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So it had degenerated into this legalistic, awful day. Nobody could enjoy it. In the New Testament church, what happened? In the days of the New Testament church, things changed. The first church changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus, which occurred on the first day of the week, which was Sunday. Today, some celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday. That's fine. Some on Sunday. Which day is not important? The question is, do you have a Sabbath? That's why it's important. Having a Sabbath to rest and enjoy God. So what are we supposed to do on the Sabbath? What are we supposed to be doing? Okay. Now keep in mind that this is one of the first four commandments that have to do with the vertical, our relationship with God. So we're still talking the Sabbath has to do with our relationship with God. Okay. First of all, he says, letter A, he says, remember. Our command is do it. It says, remember the Sabbath day. Now, remember doesn't mean to recollect or don't forget it's Sunday. That's not what it is. It's more than an intellectual recall, remembering it's Sunday. In the Hebrew language, the verb remember is very powerful. It's more emphatic it's more emphatic than the normal imperative. It's a very strong command. So when he says, remember the Sabbath, it's not just, I forgot. No, this is, remember, it's a command. Celebrate it. Command. Remember means observe it, keep it. It's an action. This is a command. This is a do, not a don't. So how do we observe the Sabbath? It says, keep it holy. What does that mean? Being separated. Separate from and separate to. Separate from and separate to. How do you invest in a relationship? How do you invest in a relationship? In marriage, we block out time together. We go on dates, take weekends away. We get time away from the kids and cell phone calls, interruptions, email, Twitter, or X, and Facebook. We take time away from our work and our busy schedules. Why? To block out time with our spouse, separate it out, 
and hallow it? How do we develop our relationship with our friends? We block out time. We spend time together. Make them a priority. It's the way we develop our relationship with our children. Spending quality time, hallowing it, separating it. So we separate, it says make it holy. It means separate that time. Set it apart. God's top ten is about relationship. How do we re- develop our relationship with God? We separate from and separate to God. It's not rocket science. It's not complicated. But it is hard. <laughs> it is hard. How do we keep this one day holy? From a negative sign, we stop work. Stop working. Stop work in order to get rest, yes, but more important, the positive side is stop working and rest in order to enjoy God. Block out the time. Separate from, separate to. A whole day, once a week to enjoy God. Make it holy. Separated to God. We are called to love God with all our mind, heart, soul, and strength. Our passion, our desires, our focus, our whole being is focused on God. That is what worship is. And worship was created to glorify God, but it's also created for our enjoyment. Yes, we are to love God daily, worship him constantly with everything we are and do. But one day a week, we get to do so without any distractions. Just us and God. Stop work, rest, and enjoy God. Martin Luther emphasizes two aspects of the Sabbath. And it's how we enjoy God. One is worshiping God, adore, praise, and express love. Second is hearing from God's word, listening to God speak to enjoy. Now, don't confuse attending church with worshiping God. Many people attend church religiously, but never truly worship God. And I'm not talking about a particular style of worship or denominational tradition. Worship takes place in our hearts. Takes place in our hearts. Hopefully, and frequently it shows in our faces, hopefully, but that's, that's depending on the person. Some people worship God in different settings. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Why do we we encourage everybody to come together? Judy and I have friends who served many years as a chaplain of different football teams and basketball teams down in Florida. And and Steve was his name. He, he was the chaplain of the University of Miami Hurricane football team. And it doesn't happen very often, but the Miami Hurricanes was rated one and Washington was rated one. So they said, let's get them together. So they brought the football team, everybody up to Seattle to play the Washington Husky football team. It was incredible. Because they invited us to the game, okay, they got the tickets. We were seated right in the middle of the Miami Hurricane fans. They are vociferously pro-Miami Hurricanes. Now, we obviously had a different goal in mind of the intention of the game. And honestly, we were intimidated and quite inhibited about cheering the Huskies on to victory, which actually did happen. We did win. 
It's amazing. Yeah, woo. It's much easier to encourage one another, cheer each other on, celebrate the victory, and console and defeat if you are in the stands with like-minded people. Right? You, you go to a, a Packer game or some football game, and if you're right in the middle of the, the Seahawks section, oh, man, you, should, you, you don't want you're It's embarrassing. It's easier to worship in a group of people who are also worshiping. It encourages us. We can worship God in solitary, and sometimes we do, but God knows that we need each other's encouragement. We need that setting because we're surrounded five or six days a week with hostile fans who are cheering for our opponent. We're surrounded by people. They're cheering the other direction. We need, that's why we need to get together, to encourage one another. So when Todd starts us off and he has us repeat after him and do this stuff, we're all together shouting and praising God together. Cheering. The Sabbath is God's day. It is God's day for, made for people to enjoy God. Now, question I have, how many times do we come to church on the way somewhere else? We're just on the way, we've got to stop by church and do that thing. How many times do we come to worship God working around another activity, a brunch, football game, family plans, recreation? I'm just glad there are no Packer games in the morning Sundays. <laughs> Activities. There are two questions we need to ask. One, do I worship God when I go to church? That's, that's a question. Do I worship God when I go to church? And two, is worshiping God whenever that occurs the high point of my week or is it just an incidental activity along the way? That, this is between you and God, not between you and the preacher, pastor. How do we approach that? Joy Davidman writes, because we're, we're, we're tempted to tell people and give them guilt trips. We see them at the grocery store and they miss church. Where were you? And we start feeling guilty and we start guilting people because, because going to church is the main indicator of spirituality, right? Joy, Joy Davidman writes, every church always must wrestle with the temptation of forcing people to come to God. Force is such an easy and obvious means. As long as one can use force, one need not interest people. They need not inspire them. The poor wretches have no escape. They're in the truest sense a captive audience. The trouble is that a captive audience is very different, a different thing than church. A forced churchgoer has no religion. A terrified churchgoer has no Christianity. A bribed churchgoer has no morals. We don't want people who come to church because the golf course is closed, but people who prefer God to golf. Okay? We can't make people enjoy God by bidding them to enjoy, forbidding them to enjoy anything else. How do we keep the day holy? Is it by making it restrictive or unpleasant or boring, or by making it fun and full of joy? By making it as, as much as possible like hell, or as much as possible like heaven? The Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to enjoy. 
And when we could no longer force people to come to church, we saw to it that everything else was closed. <laughs> the Blue Sunday Laws, which no longer exist. Some of you remember those Blue Sunday Laws. Everything was closed on Sunday. There's nothing else to do but to go to church. Okay? That's, that's not why we should be motivated. People make choices. What is your Sunday like? Do you remember it? Do you keep it holy? Do you long to have one whole day to worship God? The question is not, can I worship God someplace besides church on Sunday? The question ought to be, who am I worshiping when on the ski slope, the trout stream, the hunting place, or the, on my boat or the golf course? Is it God or me? Because I hear people say, and I love hearing people, they like to hunt. They love being out in nature, worshiping God. They happen to be carrying a gun, but that's, that's a whole different thing. They, they love being in nature and appreciating that. That's, that's awesome. Jesus made a clear distinction between act and intention. The letter and spirit of the law, the motives and internal thoughts. Jesus guides us in our relationship with God, and he brings us that freedom and liberty. One more question. How do you prepare for the Sabbath? How do you prepare for the Sabbath? For the Jew, the Sabbath began at sundown the night before. This was in order to prepare and rest in order to enjoy the Sabbath. Now, when it comes to the Sabbath, honestly, it's much easier to tell good Christian people what not to do than what to do. But I believe God wants us to enter into all that is good that he intends. Remember, God, God is the goal. God is the goal. Let's look at the results real quickly. Roman numeral three. The results of keeping the Sabbath. In one word, enjoyment. Enjoyment. Enjoyment of all God's good gifts. What gifts can we enjoy? First of all, enjoy God. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God first. All else follows. Second, enjoy rest. Rest. Enjoy relaxation. Take a nap. I do. Don't feel guilty doing absolutely nothing and letting your mind think about God. Three, enjoy family. A day away from routines and work gives us time for family. The Sabbath was made for people to enjoy people. Okay? It's all part of the picture. Enjoy food, number four. Anybody here not enjoy food on Sunday? Yeah, enjoy food. We do that. Number five, enjoy friends or enjoy people. Six, enjoy recreation. Playing? Yeah, sport. All of these are good gifts. And, and through our lifetime, we enjoy all of these kinds of things. That's part of who we are. All of these are ways to relax and enjoy God and his good gifts as long as God is first. Bottom line is that spiritually speaking, every day is holy. Every day is holy. And every day can be set apart for God. In the New Testament days in which we are living, every day can be a day for worship. Our entire lifestyle is to be one of worshiping God. 
And there's really no separation between secular and the sacred. But that's, a, that's another topic. Our whole life belongs to God. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. How? Don't work. Enjoy God first. Then enjoy all of God's good gifts. Even on Sunday. Enjoy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us guidelines on how we can enjoy you. And we know that it's for your glory, but it's for our good as well. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to our hearts and just teach us in a new way how we can engage with you in this way on the Sabbath. In Jesus' name, amen.